I invite you to open your Bibles this morning to the book of John, John chapter 8. Continue our sermon series entitled, I Am, looking at the seven different I Am statements of Jesus. John chapter 8, beginning with the 12th verse. John chapter 8, beginning with the 12th verse. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered them, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, Where is your Father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said to him, Will he kill himself, since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning, I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Let us pray. Almighty God, thank you for your word. We ask that you take your word this morning and accomplish in our hearts and our minds that which you desire. We pray that you'd accomplish in us that which would be pleasing in your sight. God, we thank you for the gift of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. How am I going to get out of this mess that I'm in? I'm sure that you've thought that at some point in your life. Well, it was about 10 minutes before 7 a.m. 15 years ago, and I was at High V getting ready for the morning. I already had put in a couple of hours, and at 7 a.m., the store managers made their way through the store to check everything, make sure the night before everything was faced correctly, and then all of the morning stuff was done, and we were ready to roll for the day. I usually didn't work, I normally didn't work the morning shift in the produce department, but I told the manager, I said, I can handle the morning shift. Usually I closed in the produce department, and so I would put certain things out at night, and then in the morning, they would put out the greens and things like that. Well, the night before, I had actually closed the produce department, and one of our jobs when we were closing is to reorganize the cooler. So I would stack the boxes all up and get it ready for morning delivery. Well, that night before, as I was reorganizing the cooler, I came across a couple of boxes that were really light, and I thought, well, why don't I just combine these boxes into one? We'll create more space. So I took all everything, combined it into one box. Showed up the next morning, put everything out, got a couple minutes left, and now I got left is I just got to put the greens out underneath the nice little watering things in the produce aisle. 
I'll have everything ready for the store manager. I go to the cooler, grab the box, then I realized the night before I had combined all of the greens into one box. I opened up the box of greens and I couldn't tell one green from another. I mean, who can tell parsley from cilantro thing? So here I am, 10 minutes to go, and I'm supposed to have the aisle ready for the store manager to look, like, look at. Well, thankfully, I was kind of young and hip. I mean, big ears and a short guy, all the girls liked me. Think. So I'm thinking to myself, I'll just find one of these young ladies. They'll be able to identify all of the greens for me. Go around the store, see if I can find some help. No one's able or willing to help me identify the greens. So I get back into the cooler, and I'm like, I'm just going to have to put them out there thing and hope they don't notice where things are. So I'm about to walk out of the, the produce room. The store manager walks in to the produce room. And I'm thinking, oh boy. He says, well, what are you doing? I'm like, just about to put the greens out, wash them and, and get them out. And he says to me, well, hey, I'll wash the greens and put them out this morning. I thought, what? Thing? He's, he goes, yeah, I got my start in the produce aisle at Hy-Vee. I'll take care of that before we do our two morning tour thing. I thought to myself, oh, the manager has delivered me from this mess thing. It was a mess that I had created thing. And now the manager himself delivered me from the mess. Now, in all view of things, that's a pretty small mess. This morning, I probably don't have to convince you that the world is a mess. That there is a lot of darkness around us. And I probably don't have to have you look back into your own life very far to, to realize some messes that you've been in. And where you said, how am I going to get out of this mess? I probably don't have to convince you very much this morning, you're at church obviously, that our world is in the midst of moral confusion. There's great confusion over what's right and what's wrong. Just in the news, the last couple of weeks, it's, it's been one of those things where someone will do something and everybody's like, punish them, punish them. But then moments later, when you try and bring up something about someone else's behavior, it's like, well, how dare you talk about the behavior of someone else? Well, what can we talk about about people's behavior? What can we declare is right? And what can we declare is wrong? There's moral confusion everywhere. And there's darkness everywhere. This morning, though, let's not worry about the darkness out there for a moment. Let's worry about the darkness right here. And ask ourselves the question, who will deliver us from this mess? This morning, when we move into the second I am statement of Jesus, he makes a statement where you might think it has nothing to do with deliverance, but actually it has everything to do with delivering us from a mess. In our statement today, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He's interacting with religious leaders and this is how he starts the conversation off by proclaiming to them that he is the light of the world. And then in the rest of the passage, we actually don't get much conversation about that statement. It produces conversation, though, that shows us what he meant when he said that. To help us understand a little bit of what Jesus meant when he said, I am the light of the world, I want us to pretend for a moment, if the best that we can, pretend that we were there when Jesus said this. Now, hard for us to do, but what they were doing is they were having a big festival, sometimes called the the Feast of Tabernacles, or sometimes called the Feast of Lights. So here you had all of these religious people together. They were celebrating a big feast in their Jewish heritage. This feast was when they celebrated how God brought them through the wilderness into the promised land. 
This nation, Israel, was one time in slavery. And then God came and said, I'm going to take you out of slavery and make you into your own nation. So God freed them from slavery. Think back into your Old Testament days. Frees them from Pharaoh and says, I'm going to give you the promised land. But he's got to get them from Pharaoh to the promised land. And so we read this morning in our Old Testament text in Exodus chapter 13 that God brings them out and God could have sent them one path to the promised land. But God says, if we send them that way, they're actually going to want to go back because there's so much war and trouble. So God says to them, I'm going to send you a different route, a path that most probably wouldn't take. And then he says, you're going to be able to make this path because he says during the day there's going to be a cloud and at night there's going to be a pillar of fire. We don't know exactly what that meant, but in other words, Jesus said, there's going to be a light that leads the way for you. And so now, the Jews are celebrating that God brought them through that. It'd be kind of like you and I, similar, but not totally similar, to our Independence Day. When we celebrate our independence as a country, freedom that we had, we have big parties. Well, they're having a big festivity celebrating how God took them from slavery and brought them into the promised land. And then it tells us here in verse 21, I'm sorry, verse 20, it says, these words Jesus spoke in the treasury in the te- as he taught in the temple. And most people believe that this location is actually near two candles. At the night of these festiv- festivities, they would light these two candles, and these two candles would illuminate everything, and it was in remembrance of the light that God provided to get them through the wilderness. So they were celebrating how the glory cloud In other words, how God's presence brought them, delivered them from slavery into the promised land. And these lights were reminders of how they were completely dependent upon the glory cloud or the pillar of fire. So it's in, they're having this big celebration. Jesus is standing near these lights and he stands up and he says, I am the light of the world. In other words, he's saying, you remember that light that brought you through the greatest event in your history? I am that light. And then, to go one step further, as they have these celebrations, there are also times of looking to the future. So they were remembering the past when God delivered them, but they were also looking to the future saying, when is the Messiah going to come and deliver us from our current darkness? When is the Messiah going to come and reestablish the nation of Israel? So they had this hope of the next light that would come and deliver them. And here Jesus stands up and says, I am the light of the world. In other words, I am the glory cloud. I am the presence of God that will deliver you out of your mess. A radical claim that Jesus makes, that he is the deliverer. Or in other words, basically, what Jesus is saying is he's saying he is essential for life and central in life as he delivers us from darkness. And we're going to see as we unpack this scripture passage that Jesus is claiming to be an absolute necessity to have life. Jesus is claiming to be central in our lives because in all of this, he's delivering us from darkness. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he's basically saying he is essential for life. In other words, there's no life outside of him. There's only existence. Look with me, if you would, down to verse 21. Verse 21, Jesus says to the religious leaders, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. In other words, Jesus says, hey, without me, 
You're dead. And then now look down at verse 24. Verse 24, he says, I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. In other words, outside of Christ, there is no life. Or in other words, we die in our sin if we do not have Jesus. We are dead in our sin without Jesus. Now, the Bible teaches us that the wages of sin is death. That the end result of living a life of rebellion is death, separation from God. But it's not just this end game. The wages of sin is death right now, today. When you and I think about sin, we often think about it kind of in this bookkeeping way. That basically what we're doing is we're breaking some rules that God has got in some book up in heaven. It's not like God is sitting in heaven and whenever one of our, the rules gets book broke, he goes, oh, darn, another one. Put it in the, the debit section. That, that's not the point. The, the problem with sin is not that we're just debiting some account. The problem of sin is that it steals life from us. And so and if you look back into the creation account and talk about how the difference between humanity and the rest of creation is that humanity is a physical creature as well as a spiritual creature. And so when we sin, what we're doing is we're killing our spiritual life. So therefore, what we're doing is we're actually just existing, not really living. And Jesus is saying that without Him, we just stay dead in our sin. We're, yeah, we got a heartbeat and we're existing, but we're not truly living the way the Creator created us to live. Sin robs us of life. But Jesus says, He's the light of the world that delivers us from this darkness that brings us the light that gives us light, life. Now, in a very scientific formula, light is absolutely necessary for life. If the sun did not come up tomorrow, we'd be done. Light is necessary for life in the whole ecosystem. Same is true spiritually as well as eternally physically, that Jesus, as the light of the world, is completely necessary for life. The challenge for you and I this morning is that we've made Jesus optional. We've basically made Jesus into the supersize me. You know, we've got life and we've got life pretty good, and one option is to get the supersize. Maybe I'll just add a little Jesus because then life can be a little bit better because I can have feel-good moments along the way. Jesus is not just a supersize option. Jesus is saying here, he's a necessity for life, for without him, we will die. This morning, have you actually realized the absolute necessity of Jesus in your life? Have you realized that outside of Christ, we are dead in our sin? There is no future, there is no hope. Jesus is saying he is essential for life because his light gives us life. And because He is essential for life, there's no life without Him, that also means then that He's central in life. Or in other words, everything revolves around Him. All of us have things in our lives that are central in our lives, that you make decisions based around certain things. So in our house, for example, or if we're going out to eat somewhere, I've got a little grid that I run everything through. The first question I ask, do they have Pepsi products? 
if they don't have Pepsi products, they don't have quality, we're not eating their thing. And so what you have is you have something that is central that everything else revolves around. You make your decision based upon that central thing. Everybody here this morning has something that's central in their life. Something that you revolve your life around. And Jesus is making a radical claim. He's saying He is to be central in our lives. Or in other words, He is to have absolutely authority. And why can He make this claim? Why can He say that He should be central in our life? Well, He's central in our life because He is the center of the universe. And this is really what it comes down to here in this I Am statement and in the previous one. Last week we talked a lot about the origin of Jesus, the bread of life, that Jesus' origin is not Bethlehem, it's not Mary and Joseph, but it's heaven. The exact same thing is right here. It's all about the origin of Jesus. Look with me, if you would, about what Jesus said here in verse 24. I'm sorry, verse 23, Jesus said, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. In other words, Jesus is saying He does not come from human roots. He's making a claim to divinity, that He is in such union with God the Father, that He shares the divinity with God the Father, that He proceeds from God the Father, comes to earth. In other words, He's the center of the universe. John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And later as we read on, we understand that Jesus was the Word, is the Word. That Jesus was present at creation and that all of creation revolves around Jesus. If all creation revolves around Jesus, therefore our individual lives should also revolve around Jesus. Jesus is saying He should be central in our life because He is sent. He is the center of the universe. He's also making a radical claim, the exact same claim he made in the bread of life, that he has ultimate authority. If you look at verses 13 on here in John chapter 8, Jesus gets into a little conversation with the religious leaders. And the religious leaders basically say to Jesus, well, Jesus, (laughs) what gives you the right to say this? I mean, the religious leaders know the radical claim because remember, they see the candles They're in the middle of celebrating this previous light. They know this radical claim that Jesus is making. So their first response is, well, Jesus, what gives you the right to say that? By whose authority? And then Jesus has a little conversation with the religious leaders basically saying, on my authority, because my authority comes from the Heavenly Father who I'm in union with. Jesus is claiming to have all authority on heaven and on earth. It says that in Matthew chapter 28, in Jesus' final words to his disciples, he says to them, All authority has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Jesus has all authority. And because he has all authority, he should be central in our lives. And to say that Jesus is central in our lives, then, is to also say, then, that Jesus is the standard for living. I mentioned earlier that we are in the midst of moral confusion everywhere. Even in the church, moral confusion. A lot of times when we're making a decision about what's right or what's wrong, it comes down to a couple of things. First, what feels good? Because if it goes against my feelings, that means it goes against how I was created, which means, well, then it can't be wrong. Because so we base our right and wrong on how far we feel, 
or we base right and wrong off of how he said, she said, or they said. So we kind of take a poll for the day. Well, 55%, it's legal, good to go. Thing. Jesus is saying here, when he says he's the light of the world, he's saying he is the standard. Our goal as a church is not moral improvement. Our goal is Jesus' improvement. America may have been moral 50 years ago, but they may not have been Jesus 50 years ago. Jesus is the standard, not some cultural line of what is moral. When Jesus says He is the light of the world, He's saying everything comes back to Him. Everything is judged by what He reflects. Jesus is the standard by which we should judge our lives. Not our neighbor, not our pastor, not the laws of the United States, but Jesus. Is Jesus central in our lives today? Very simply put, does Jesus have a spot at the table? When you get down to make a decision in your life, does Jesus have a spot at the table? If He's central in our life, He'll have the head spot at the table. When Jesus says He is the light of the world, He's saying He is essential to life, for life, and He's saying He's central in life. So now as we look at our response to Jesus' claim, what does it mean for our life today? So if we're to actually say, okay, Jesus, we'll take you at your word. What would that mean for our lives today? Well, it would mean first and foremost is this. It would mean that we have a life of belief and a life of following. I put these together because we so often separate them. Look with me, if you would, at verse 12. John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus says, Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Well, Jesus, that makes it sound like we have to be obedient to get salvation. I mean, that's what he's saying. Jesus is saying, follow after him. We get to have the light which gives us life. So that's what he says. Don't throw tomatoes at me. Jesus said that. Verse 24. Now, verse 24, he says, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So here Jesus is saying, believe in me. Verse 12, he's saying, follow me. We've taken belief and following and separated them. So we've said that our goal is to get everybody to believe that Jesus is their Savior, and then we're like, yes, good to go. And then we've said, well, we hope that some in our church would mature, and someone would decide to maybe enter into a discipleship process and start following Jesus. Belief and following are never separated in the Scriptures. Multiple times Jesus says, follow me. Other times He says, we have to believe in Him. Think of it in these terms. Trust and surrender. So, if you think of when Jesus says, follow me, He's basically saying, surrender to Him. Say, Jesus, you have the final say. That's what surrendering is. Jesus, you have it all. That's following. Who are you going to surrender to? The one that you trust. So Jesus is able to make these statements because Jesus knows that you follow what you believe. You surrender to whom you trust. If someone said to me, hey, we want you to surrender your kids to so-and-so. Well, I'm going to be like, do I trust them? If I trust them, I'll surrender my kids to them. Christ is calling us to a life of faith which actually brings about a life of following. This never gets talked about. 
But it needs to be said because Jesus says it in the Sermon on the Mount. What does Jesus examine? He looks for fruit on the tree. It's because what? A good tree produces fruit. And Jesus is basically saying, yes, if you come to a life of faith in Christ, you're going to follow Christ and produce good fruit. Because when you trust, you surrender. Jesus is calling us to a life of belief and following. Have you trusted in Jesus Christ? Maybe ask yourself, are you following Jesus Christ? That's an opportunity for you to reflect and examine and see if you are trusting Christ. Our life is one of belief and following and then also, very practically today, I said, let's not look at the darkness outside. But if we were to take Jesus at His word, that He is the light of the world, that it's, He's the standard barrier, that, that He is central to our life, what we would do next is we would say, let's shine out the darkness in our own lives. You don't realize how dark something is until you add more light. I'm kind of a cheap guy right now. Well, I was even cheaper before I was married. Thing. And so before I got married, you got bathroom lights and, and above the mirror you've got five or six you know, spotlights or whatever. Before I got married, I waited till they went, all went out before changing any of them. Thing. I mean, it just makes sense. Thing. Save time. You save dollars. You buy more at once rather than just one. And so I just never changed them. And all of a sudden you get married and, hey, there's a light out up there. Well, yeah, but it's only one. Well, now we change the lights when the lights go out. Well, all of a sudden you change the lights in the bathroom and it's like, wow, I didn't know I had nose hair there before. Because you didn't realize how dark it was until you turned on more light. Some of us this morning are wandering around going, I'm a pretty good Christian. It's because you're comparing yourself to another Christian and not Jesus Himself. How about letting a little light of Jesus shine on you this morning and examine your own heart and your own mind and drive out some darkness in our own lives? It's because when we start to study the light of Christ, the glory of Christ, we become aware very quickly of our own imperfections. If we want to actually say, yeah, Jesus, You are the light of the world, we're going to let that light shine out some darkness in our lives. That there is this salvation idea that when we come to faith in Christ, that we are set free from our sin. That sin will not have the final say. Yet we all realize though, that sin is still functional in our lives and still active. And this promise is taken care of. But yet we should still, with all of our strength, with all of our power, fight against this functional sin that exists in our life. We're not earning our salvation. We're simply being obedient to the One who gave us salvation. And say, Jesus, drive out this darkness functionally in my life. This morning, don't look at your neighbor as a mirror, but look at Jesus as the mirror. Shine a little more Jesus in our life. We'll actually bring a little more light. And when we get a little more light, what do we get? Back to verse 12. But we'll have the light of life. That when we get light, we get life. This morning, Jesus is making a radical claim because Jesus is still alive today. 
He's saying He is the light of the world. In other words, He's saying He's come to clean up our mess. He's essential for our life and central in our lives. And who is this for? Look with me back at verse 12. Maybe the most powerful word in the whole Scripture passage. Verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever. Maybe your translation says this morning, anybody. Who is the light for? Whoever will believe. Whoever will follow. Maybe this light is for the woman who was caught in adultery just before this passage of Scripture. Maybe this light is for the man who was born blind. It's because this light is for whoever will believe and follow. This morning, you're one of the whoever. This light is for you. This light is to deliver you from darkness. To give you life. Life eternal. Tomorrow morning, I don't have a box of mixed greens that I've got to get cleaned up. I don't have a box that's a mess because I dumped them all together. But today and tomorrow, you and I probably have a mess because of other things that we've done. Things that the Bible calls sin. And there's only one way out of that mess. It's not trying harder. It is not trying harder. It is not avoidance. There's only one way out of that mess. That's the Deliverer Himself. The One who says He is the light of the world. Let Him be the Deliverer in your life today. Deliver us from darkness so we can go out and help deliver the world from darkness. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give thanks to You that You shine Your light into our hearts. We give thanks to You, O Lord, that You make sin known in us and give us an opportunity to confess. Lord, thank You for Your forgiveness today. Lord, I, I pray specifically today that You would shine Your light and make us aware of areas in our life that are dark. And give us boldness to confess those areas to fellow believers. And Lord, I pray that You'd bring freedom to us in those areas. God, thank You for Your patience this morning. Thank You for Your kindness. Thank You for giving us this everlasting life. We praise You for who You are. Lord, we pray that You'd bring us victory in Jesus. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.